episode 54 of Strange Brow Radio. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. You know the drill. Today's guest is Melissa Martell of the Secret Door podcast. And we're going to be talking about psychic or paranormal backlash. Yeah, it's called that for a reason. And Melissa is going to talk to us about her experiences with that and her awesome podcast, The Secret Door. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. That's E-R-Y-N. Keep the orders coming and you keep the pirate ship afloating. I also want to thank you for coming to Manresa Castle for our bi-monthly live events at ManresaCastle.com. Check it out. Stay the night. Haunted Castle in Port Townsend. All right, we'll be right back with our guests, Melissa Martell. But first, some news. Thanks again for joining us. And before we get to our guest, I wanted to mention more about Manresa Castle. Now, our bi-monthly events are in Port Townsend, Washington, as I've mentioned before, in this historic, uh, beautiful hotel that one time was Mr. Eisenbeiss's gift to his wife, who is the originator, the builder, the architect, the mind behind Manresa Castle built in uh, the late 1800s and some say his ghost still haunts the buildings there we definitely had our own experiences in and outside of the castle mainly in the castle but of course when we do a live broadcast out of the castle or podcast that we call podcastle live it is done generally during the first of every other month so january 4th we had uh, our first 2020 podcastle live with Olympic Peninsula Paranormal Society uh, guru, uh, Mary Bethune. And some really interesting stuff happened on the SLS camera that I mentioned before. And if you're a member of Patreon, you can catch an in-depth probe into this SLS camera footage that we got. And if you're interested in what an SLS camera is, I was too. And just listen to the podcast previous and we talk all about it. However... In March, on March 7th, Saturday, March 7th, from 6 to 9 or 10 at night at the Manresa Castle again will be our next broadcast at the Podcastle Live. And we are excited to announce that we have our guest lined up and locked and loaded. And it's your chance to come and learn about the elongated skulls with Marcia K. Moore from CMR Studios and ancient aliens it uh, is an amazing opportunity to get her to come and share her experiences with a live crowd and i don't know that she's uh done too much uh public speaking on the elongated skulls she's kind of been behind the scenes working those angles but nonetheless she's going to be up there with me for two and a half or three hours so uh, we'll see what all she will bring with her because she's done quite a bit of work as it relates to the actual bones of these mysterious elongated skulls that are from mainly from Peru, but not strictly from Peru. And how this links up to the su- supernatural is 
Well, all of the strange elements behind these skulls, they don't look quite human. And so we have a lot to talk about. So Marcia K. Moore, our guest, presented at Podcastle Live, March 7th, 2020, in Port Townsend, Washington. And I hope to see you all show up for that. The other interesting part about uh, Manresa Castle is it's a free event. And so for you to show up, especially if you're in the Pacific Northwest, if you'd like to stay the night there, you can book a room now for the 6th or 7th of March. And I say stay on the second floor. And that seems to be one of the most active areas. And then, of course, there's the turret room, which is... If you go onto the website and take a look at Manresa Castle, you'll see the rounded, sloped side of the building there. So, anyway, that's March 7th, 2020, and if you can make it, fantastic. We'll be recording everything like we usually do, but the video and all the good stuff usually happens in person. So, you can find that at patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio. Now, there's merchandise that you can find at strangebrow.com. And here's the deal, is if you buy one of the shirts or hoodies or long sleeves, (laughs) we put up some interesting quotes and slogans on the back of these shirts. And um, it has our moniker and our logo there, which we call the Third Eye Sasquatch, representing the pineal gland. If you've seen our logo, you know what you're talking about. And... If you come to this event and wear one of those shirts, let's say you wear two of those shirts, then you will be entered into a raffle. And so the more shirts that show up, well, the better chances you are uh, there are for you. So what will you win? Well, if you've ever gone on and seen one of these wood watchers I make, they uh, are quite large uh, faces carved out of cedar or carved out of dug fir. And they usually retail for around $200, generally. 150 to 250 The large-scale ones are closer to 300 bucks. It's just the nature of working with wood. It takes some time to do it. And so, um, usually sell out of these when I go to a conference. And they're quite large. And you can go to Facebook to check them out. And I'll put them up on the website as well, as well at strangebowradio.com. And that will be what we will raffle off uh, for anyone who's wearing a t-shirt with Strange Brow logo on it. So, again, these are through a website called Teespring. You order through my website. It goes through Teespring. They send you the product. I don't have to worry about it. And it helps everybody out in the end. So that's my offer to you March 7th. Buy some of the merchandise, well, wear a t-shirt or a hoodie, and um, the more people, the more t-shirts that show up, the more raffle tickets I'll hand out, and I'm planning on making something pretty special. Okay, today's guest, as I said, is Melissa Martell of the Secret Door Podcast. Let's get to her and join in our discussion about psychic backlash and well, just exactly what she's heard and had happen and maybe some warnings for those of you out there that are starting to look down this rabbit hole of your own. I give to you Melissa Martell. 
All right, Melissa Martell, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? <laughs> Good morning. Little do people know that listen to this. Um, we are not night owls uh, doing a late night podcast. We are more like truckers pulled over at a rest stop right now at uh, Bright and Early podcast, which uh, was in lieu of an appointment that uh, we both thought we had. And so this is pre-scheduled. Thanks for grabbing a cup of Joe and pulling over at the haunted rest stop with me. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Emma. Thank you for having me here. Mm-hmm. Now, Melissa, you have a show of your own. It's called uh, the Secret Door Podcast, and you do it with another co-host. And is her name Lynn? Am I right about that? It's Linnea. Linnea. Okay. And it's you and Linnea started this podcast in 2019, 2018 timeframe. I, well, I had a, my own, a podcast with another podcasting partner in 2018, and then mm-hmm. I went on my own in 2019 uh-huh. with uh, Door. And Linnea has just come on in November uh, yeah. because I thought, well, you know, we need to spice it up and have a co-host to, to come on once in a while. Right, and so that's kind of how we all get to know one another is through these circles. Here, we're we're talking about similar things, but. You uh, approached me about a subject matter that I think is an important one to discuss, and that's kind of like the fallout or the afterlife, the shelf life of the supernatural affecting the investigator and how that looks. Not always a great picture for some people. It's not a good picture at all, and um, I wanted to go into some detail about uh, what your experience is with the after effect of messing around with the supernatural because all in all melissa we really don't know what we're messing with we all have so many different guesses about who's delivering the message uh what the message means how to interpret a message whether or not there is a message and that makes for some interesting controversy don't you think yeah, well, I mean, it's commonly known as psychic backlash, but I think if you're you're putting your focus intently on something that you don't know what it is, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be iffy. It's going to be iffy how it interacts with your own life. Okay, so this is something that you grew up with. You you were born, as it says in your bio, in a haunted hospital. So. I imagine you don't remember too many details about that, but you must have heard about it later. And then you grew up as a young lady, as a child in a haunted Victorian home. Uh, Those memories are a little bit closer to, you know, what you can recall. So tell me a little bit about your history and how you got to where you are now. And then we'll we'll move into this uh, paranormal backlash. Sure. Yeah. I was born on the East coast of Canada, Canada. Now the, I mean the hospital, I just can tell you stories that I've heard about it. Um, I was born on the wing. I think it's, I think it was the eighth floor and on the eighth floor way back when long before I was born, there's a story about a nurse who had thrown herself from the eighth floor after a baby had respirated and died. 
um, she had committed suicide. So it sounds a lot like like myth or legend, but there might be some elements of truth because ev- everyone would say that they would have paranormal experiences in that area on the eighth floor. So it was attributed to this nurse. Now the actual hospital was oh, demolished probably in the early nineties, but the it had like a copper dome that they they have a standing somewhere in like a plaque because it was an old hospital. But that was the story that I would always hear about this nurse. I'm sure there's variations because it's become almost like, you know, local folklore myth rather than, you know, and you can't go investigate to see if anything's there because the hospital is no longer there. But it was, yeah, the the nurse on the eighth floor who had um, committed suicide, which is, um, it sounds really elaborate to me. I kind of think, hmm sounds a little more folklorish than real but there i mean it's a hospital so many it could be haunted mm. attributed to something else because there's so much trauma and emotions happening in hospitals and sickness and illness right and there seems to be an ongoing theme of women throwing themselves out of buildings uh i mean there's at least two three places i can think of within three hours of here that uh, have a haunted history. One of them, of course, is the Manresa Castle where we do our live events. So um, have you found that in your investigations that there's a lot of damsel and distress throwing themselves out of the castle yes. walls? Yes, there's, there's, there's a lot of themes with women. Either uh-huh. they're in distress or they had a lover and it got discovered and they've been murdered or they're back to reveal the real details of their death. It's, mm-hmm. but it's, it's never usually a positive female ghost that's like, hey, I'm just here for because right. I'm hanging around. They're always, they've always been done wrong or there's some, they're over-emotional or suicidal or something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you think that's the culture breathing down the neck of folklore? Um, I think, I think it goes in hand with the idea that trauma is what causes paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people have that. So certainly if you were traumatic and hysterical, mm-hmm. you might, you might leave an impression, but there's certainly, there's certainly some strange, I mean, most, I mean, it goes in hand with most paranormal experiences that usually happy spirits don't hang around too long. Right. No, what I'm getting at, though, is the idea that the woman is in distress. Therefore, the irrational woman who kills herself and throws her out of the castle walls seem as you think that's something indicative of the culture. uh, uh Go ahead. I I don't know this for sure. So I haven't done research on this, but I I would say it wouldn't surprise me if you looked at other cultures and seen something similar. Okay. So you don't think it's just a Western value. You think it it might be a global. It might be a Western value, but I think I'd have to go look at other Mm -hmm. um, cultures to be 100% sure of that to see, okay, how, how do females play out in their ghost stories? But it's, it certainly is a, a Western, you know, English, Mm -hmm. Scottish sort of theme going on there. Mm -hmm. So then you moved on to this Victorian house. You go, like, literally after the hospital, you moved no, in? Okay. No, what happened no. then? Um, uh, we moved into that house when I was about six, just before I started grade one. And we moved in there. My mother was a single parent at the time. So we moved in there with uh, several other, uh, another lady and her kids and had a couple other renters because it was quite a large house. 
And <clears throat> I mean, at the time today, you probably couldn't rent that for cheap, but this was in the early eighties. And for whatever reason you, they were, they had access to it. It's owned by a private owner. Now, as far as I know, they don't have any issues, but when we first started <clears throat> moving into the house, uh, it was my mother that she just started having, it's a similar idea with a lot of paranormal experiences where it starts off small, like lights turning on and off by themselves. And so she just thought it was electrical stuff or pushed it off. And then it would just, it just started to escalate over time. I mean, we only lived there for about four months. So it just started escalating into voices and footsteps and actual sightings of a man. And there was one particular room upstairs that this figure of a man was seen by uh, the uh, little boy and a couple of other people it, it, and it was it was constantly seen there so I think that was sort of the epicenter of the the paranormal experiences okay so you don't have any of your own memories are you, mm-hmm. oh, you yeah. did, what, what do you remember specifically that struck out at you well one there was one instance where we were being babysat by the other lady that lived with us her her brother and sister were there babysitting me and three other kids because our parents were at work and us kids to put it bluntly we knew we knew the house was haunted by then and but we didn't say anything to these babysitters because it was actually just becoming a normal thing for us hearing doors creaking and experiencing certain things so we were downstairs all in the living room watching television and all of a sudden we started to hear footsteps upstairs and the babysitters come in and they start yelling at us to stop running around and upstairs or what were we doing and we all looked at her and we were like we're not upstairs we're downstairs here we're all right here and she was sort of like, and of course, I'm paraphrasing the story. It's not exact quotes, but she was like, okay, so who's upstairs? And we just kind of messed her head up and said, well, that's our ghost. <laughs> and she wasn't too happy about that, but she wouldn't go upstairs. She started to get freak out. And she looked at me and said, Melissa, I guess maybe I was being the cockiest. I'm not too <laughs> sure why she decided that I should go upstairs right. and check it, check it out. But a short story is I sort of fake kind of half walked up the stairs. I kind of peeked around. I didn't really go up there. And I just kind of came back down and said I didn't see anything, which is true. Didn't see anything. But it was a common thing where we would hear the walking of this man upstairs. And she was really... She got in big trouble for sending me up there, by the way, when my mother came home and I told her, hey, she sent me up to look for a ghost and when and she's 19 and I'm six and she wouldn't go up herself. My mom was not. Because <laughs> my, from my mom's point of view, she's yeah. like, well, what if, what if it was an intruder and not a ghost? <laughs> yeah, sure. And so she was uh, escorted out and uh, never came back or did you guys work yeah. it out? I, I'm not too sure. I'm <laughs> right. not too sure what happened. I don't, I, yeah, I'm not too sure. She probably <laughs> just got hell from my mother. But, you know, it's just, she, we were used to it. She just, when we said that, she, I don't know, I think she might have had a super religious background and it might have mm-hmm. just freak, freaked her out. Remember, this was like 80, mm-hmm. gosh, this would have been like 83, 84. Yeah, 80, okay. end of 83. So she was probably hyper religious. Mm-hmm. And it kind of terrified her. Right. Did you grow up with a family of uh, women in your life that embrace the supernatural paranormal? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my mom for sure. I don't know about if my grandmother was, I, I think she believed in some of it, but I'm, I, she was also skeptical. So mm-hmm. she had a skepticism too, which is good. It's, it's healthy to be skeptical of things and look mm-hmm. for the logical, the logical solution first. But my mom definitely. And mm-hmm. my, my grandmother's, um, my grandmother's aunt was deaf was like a psychic tea leaf reading tarot card reading sort of in the era of spiritualism way back when so it's definitely there i gotcha okay and so it was okay to talk about these things and therefore the negative spin on talking about it the not so much the boogeyman is kind of understanding what's going on around you as being normal yeah, it mm-hmm. was it was it was it was okay to talk about them, but we didn't hyper. I never hyper. It wasn't like we we're hyper focused on investigating or finding out mm-hmm. what it was. So, it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it certainly escalated in that house. Like we had. I mean, there were several other experiences. People getting tapped to hit. Um, mm-hmm. We definitely started having. A, people were arguing more. You definitely were having problems financially lost jobs and mm-hmm. after for four months uh we we left i mean it was starting to cost a fortune to heat the house because it was run on oil um big oil tanks it was on an old heating system it wasn't like electric so it started to become unaffordable to heat and my mom wanted a place that had more modern you know, mm-hmm. facilities to say, to put it blunt. So we eventually left, but it would just escalate. It was getting more where like you started to attribute everything to it. So every, you know, if you fell down the stairs, it felt like you'd been tripped. You'd be like, I think mm-hmm. the spirit did it. So whether or not it did, I don't know, but everything started to get really chaotic and, and we just, the bills were getting out of hand and people's lives mm-hmm. were getting really chaotic. So we just left after four months. Yeah, well, the oil thing alone, I've known people that have had to make sudden moves because that is really costly. If you've never had to pay yeah. an oil heating bill before, uh, you wouldn't really know. But um, interesting. So you're, you know, I'm always fascinated by how people grow up learning about magic or the supernatural. And oftentimes it's impacted by their own worldview, which is usually fear-based. And I'm not getting a lot of that off of you so after this moment after living you know at a tender age in a haunted house do you start seeking out the supernatural on your own or what what happens to you through middle school and high school I imagine there's probably some inquiry I you know what I never really dealt with the paranormal um too heavy I might have like bought books here and there on like like Lloyd Auerbach I might have bought a book on parapsychology it had a little bit of an interest but I didn't I wasn't hyper involved in the paranormal I was more like I, I had a fascination with like anything to do with vampires and Dracula when I was in high school that was really mm-hmm. trendy interview with the vampire stuff like that it was and English literature I was more into a lot of literature and looking at mm-hmm. um, writings and books on um, what I guess what they would would it would have been some sort of like not just vampires but Frankenstein or anything sort of macabre in mm-hmm. a romantic sort of macabre 
gothic gothic thing yes yes there's the word (laughs) yeah there's the word i mean i often wonder what happened to all my gothic friends from high school and whether or not they are still looking into the angles of the supernatural what's so hysterical about all this is it was fashion over substance it was style over substance most of the time but that's not what you're saying you're saying you actually were trying to get to the substance of it all and understand how where the style came from and uh what the reality of the supernatural is i don't think most of these goth kids that i knew back then actually were doing that you know i was more of a an artsy fartsy guy and um but I always was curious about what the real story of the supernatural was. And it seemed like goth was really the only angle you could take, you know, through those formative years to understand that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it totally, it's, it's mm-hmm. sort of an, an, I mean, a lot of, it's like cultural, visual, a lot of goth. I mean, you're going to be influenced by a lot of things that are in the media. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't know about goth unless you've seen like I, a lot, I, I know a lot of Brit goths who still are involved in, they don't obviously look like goths anymore, but they are involved in like cryptozoology or doing speeches and uh, investigations in Britain. I think it's more, it's a little different in the UK or they, they are occult. They started out doing goth and they, and they mm-hmm. now do research on the occult or lecture about mm. Aleister Crowley or Thelema or they, they're, they've taken that over to film or whatever it is they do in their life. So mm-hmm. I do know some people where it's transferred over into a career. Um, so it's just fascinating, but that's more um, the UK based. So I think it might be a little more acceptable there or people are, mm-hmm. maybe it's a smaller landmass and people mm-hmm. closer together. I don't know. Well, this ostracization of the youth uh, being separated as the one that wears black and that understands that their music is better and darker next to them, that when you're separated like that, it separates your ideas as being wholly yours and and you're not going to share these ideas with other people. Therefore, you won't learn from these other experiencers around you that are probably much more entrenched in the supernatural and more goth than you, but they they just don't know how to talk about it. And yet here we are, we've kind of embraced it cloak and dagger style. So I think that carries on outside of, you know, the high school years are so formative and so much of, you know, us, me, I'll just say, is still kind of looking back at those four years in public schools at Thurston High School. Do you still find yourself going back there and kind of like, okay, I don't have to be the weirdo anymore. You know, I'm just going to kind of live it as I want to live it. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other thing about people today who are younger may not realize like when I was in high school to access some of the content or books, you had to really scour around and order things in and go to bookstores. You just couldn't go on the internet and have free access to so many people. So it's, it's not just the goth thing. It was just the whole reality of you didn't have easy access to information as well, or people Mm -hmm. all around the world. Right. And if you went to a public uh, bookstore, usually the books that you wanted to find or I wanted to find were kind of in the 
darkened corners in the back mm-hmm. of the bookstore. And yeah. that's where they kept all the porn usually, you know what I mean? Like it was just like, <laughs> oh. okay, so the porn's back here. I guess it's right next to the mummies and oh. the vampires. So yeah, you know? we're, th- we're the right. weirdos in the back of the bookstore. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So that those qualities carry out into adulthood and then we kind of shield ourselves away. And the nice thing about your podcast is that you look for other people to have these shared experiences and you talk about all sorts of stuff besides the ghost aspect of this. You talk about things like sleep paralysis and uh, I was extremely struck by the magical history of alcohol. You were talking about uh, things like mead and absinthe and things like that. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that podcast in particular. Well, we had Rosian um, from Project Archivist come on, and I'm not a professional brewmeister, but Rosian has a lot of experience brewing alcohol. So we're just talking about alcohol in relation to witches and the history of it. And so, of course, it sort of falls in line, the similar ideas like the medical history where men were taking over medical sort of um, sector and villainizing a lot of um, women as witches because saying they were poisoning people or it was witchcraft and they were just using herbs to try and heal people. Well, same Mm. thing with alcohol. Men, women started off selling alcohol and making money. It was like a business for them. They weren't really witches and they're sort of villainized as because men wanted to take over this business. A lot of men wanted to take over this business. So they just sort of like they're a witch kind of that's to to pack it up into a small little sentence you know that it's a lot of villainizing women because it's Mm -hmm. a business competition essentially because they were making good money off of um, brewing beer and wine and different spirits and what about the supernatural aspect of where the word spirits comes from attached to alcohol is there any history on the name spirits being attached to liquor um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I can't remember what, what Rojan said. Do, I don't mm-hmm. can't even remember if we asked him about that. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to give an answer because it's like seven <laughs> in the morning and I can't remember exactly what we said there. I'm right. sure there, I'm sure there is some sort of idea where, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would connect it with in this whole idea that alcohol mm-hmm. actually changes your you know, alcohol actually changes your whole personality. So it has a, it has almost a mood of its own, a personality yeah. of its own. Well, that one struck out at me. I thought we'd talk about that uh, briefly here because it's a, of interest. And if anybody's ever ordered an absinthe in a little mm-hmm. darkened pub, then you'd know quickly that there's a whole ceremony that goes mm-hmm. with pouring absinthe and uh, the qualities, the hallucinogenic qualities uh, at one time of of drinking the Green Fairy uh, are pretty well noted with artists and poets and things like that. So, Yeah, and it's kind of like a gateway thing. Like there's a lot of like ideas that alcohol is like a gateway to opening yourself up to being affected by negative spirits, but whether or not, I don't know about that, maybe addiction, mm-hmm. but it's certainly is a lot of drugs are seen as gateways to different spirits or different um, mm-hmm. portals or whatever it is you, you would, you would have. But it, I mean, we know actually there are just, it's poison and it's actually just affecting you physiologically. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's an older way of mm-hmm. saying that. Right. 
Well, you know, the last podcast I did was with a, a group of guys and we, uh, they're on the East coast and they brought up, um, substance abuse in the community of the supernatural and paranormal as a form of how to deal with a type of PTSD. And it mm-hmm. gets us to where we're probably headed, uh, the supernatural backlash. You've seen this before. I've seen this before. I maybe, I've, I'll say it, I've experienced it before where you just kind of mean alcohol is a really great numbing system and uh, let go of your inhibitions after a few. So as far as the supernatural hanging on and the consequences of looking into the supernatural, is that something you've seen in the community, people that have had severe or codependency issues with substances? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I don't want to get into any personal relationships or mention anybody that I've um, you know, seen this with because it just wouldn't be fair because they're not here to, you know, talk about themselves. But I've definitely seen it where people have had addiction, addictive personalities, uh, had suffer trauma from a young age. They were now into the paranormal and they almost seem to have like a black cloud of a thing following around them. And when you got intensely engaged with them and engaged in the paranormal, strange things started to happen. Um, like, money started going bad things flew off shelves um i just the relationship just started deteriorating they started you know hallucinations um paranoia um it's it's what it's what happens when you're not really balanced in in your life mhm yeah and yeah. that kind of a lot of times the word attachments is thrown around about this black cloud sometimes i feel like the attachment is you know those two fists of vodka in the freezer waiting for this researcher when they get home and it's, you know, alcoholism, right? Yeah. Well, and sometimes I think that black thing mass attached to people has nothing to do with the alcohol as well. It could have something to do with some severe trauma that they had in childhood and it's created almost a split. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually part of them, but they're projecting it out. Mm -hmm. Negative, dark, self that's standing there you see what i found with some people is you get like a jekyll and hyde you think they're a sweet nice person but then they they flip on a dime like it's almost like they're triggered by something that you do and you don't intend it to be bad you're just saying something normal and they're triggered by it and that dark shadow that's hovering comes out takes over the personality and alcohol makes that worse so when they drink or they're mm-hmm. having alcohol or substance that dark 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 whatever that thing is that's mm-hmm. rooted to the trauma comes right out and starts operating and you're like who is this person i did mm-hmm. it and it's sort of the the crux of like a lot of alcoholism and abusive relationships and you get this jekyll and hyde personality where you do, almost don't even know who the person is at times <laughs> right yeah yeah and and i think that can happen and alcohol just you know, makes it happen really quickly. So there's something about alcohol that brings out some dark stuff in in certain people. Some people can have one or two drinks and they're fine Mm -hmm. and they're happy, but some people they can't stop. And it brings out this sort of weird, dark thing that's on them. Mm -hmm. Now, do you ever have a nip before you go out on an investigation? No, no, never. Oh, really? No, no. Um, okay. Tell me about that because, uh, I'm guilty of having a nip before an investigation. um, Sure. 
Um, I, I haven't been on very many investigations uh-huh. lately because of work, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> pay the bills. But I've always gone. I mean, sometimes I've gone to a pub and maybe had a drink just because we're at the pub and I've had an experience um, um, at the pub. But I was just maybe one drink with with dinner. But I've started to go, okay, look, if you really want to say you're having a paranormal experience, you've got to be pretty honest with yourself and be sober. Otherwise, someone could attribute it to drinking. And I've had a lot of people say, well, I've had this paranormal experience, but I had four beers and I'm going, okay, Mm -hmm. well, you know that, you know, right away, if you want to be pretty serious that, Mm -hmm. or if you're serious about your, your data, then you can't have four drinks because who that's right there. You've just sort of ruined anyone. Well, not ruined, but someone's going to point that out. Mm So I, I, if I was going to go out, especially go out to a building where it might be, um, ransacked or, Mm -hmm. you know, the structures and 100%, I kind of want to be right. a hundred percent able to use my facilities. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. a good, it's a good idea. And, uh, you know, there's a difference between having a glass of wine with a meal and someone, uh, you know, dealing with a traumatic experience that is about to occur and they have to numb themselves before and after that experience. And, um, I think the latter is, a little more common, especially when it comes to all, all the Sasquatch stuff in particular, when you get around a, a campfire and you're sitting out in the woods, uh, if you have some hard alcohol and it's cold outside, you're not going to feel that cold as much after a yes. couple of hard drinks. And uh, so I, I see that a lot in the community that does a lot of supernatural investigations uh, outside. And, um, you know, it's for, unfortunately broken up some some friendships and you had to deal with friendships and researchers that you just can't babysit them any longer. Yeah. And I mean, Mm -hmm. any, any paranormal experience I've ever had, I mean, no alcohol's ever been involved. And I think it's probably more fleeting than you think. Like it's, it's the one thing about investigations. I am always like, you know, I really don't think I'm going to find anything because any experience I've ever had was sort of like, it wasn't at night and I had a camera and spooky scenario. It was, you know, maybe even in the middle of the day while I'm washing the dishes, all of a sudden something happened and then it was gone. So it's so quick and so fleeting sometimes. I'm always thinking, well, the chances of me, you know, going into a building for two or three hours and finding something is probably slim to none because I always look at the paranormal, but ESP, ghosts, stuff like that, not necessarily Sasquatches. I've never had any of that experience, but um, I always look at that as so fleeting and momentary that it's, uh, it's, it's sort of like trying to catch your breath in your hand. Right. And so we're largely we're talking about a chemical reaction, chemical dependency. What about a spiritual reaction, a, a spiritual dependency, a paranormal dependency, it seems to, I mean, I know you've seen this before. I have too, where people get so immersed that they've lost themselves. They've given themselves over to the other side of the looking glass. I've had to separate myself from those people as well. Have you? Well, yeah, because, well, that's the one thing that I sort of looked at when I was looking at this is, um, okay, when you're dealing with psychic backlash, you know, what are you going in there with? So a lot of people, like, 
I, I won't say any names, but I've interviewed people before and I've talked to them when they're going in there and they've lost family members. They're not mentally well. They already have depression and they get a rise out of being involved in the paranormal. And so it sort of becomes something that they have to do and they do it intensely because it's sort of replacing what they've lost and they are, they're going at it with a, with certain energies or certain mind frame that dictates that, you know, how they're going to interact with it. I mean, if you are um, depressed or you're highly negative, you have, or you do sort of negative rituals or you're angry at the world, you have mental health problems, you're going to walk into something and it's that, it's that Nietzsche quote again, you know, it's, it's that, you know, if you gaze long enough into the abyss, it gazes right back into you and you get a reflection of what is part of you. So it's almost reading you and it's saying, you know, okay, you want to focus on me here, let's focus on you. And you might get something back that you weren't expecting. Right. Have you seen a consistent deviation more so in men or women delving down too deep into the rabbit hole? Well, I would be really generalizing to say that I think men can get more focused and intense on one thing mm -hmm. where I think women might be a little bit better at balancing. Now, that, that doesn't mean that every man and every woman, you know, it's that way for all of them. But I think a lot of when I've heard a lot of these stories, a lot of it is with men who get super, super hyper focused because that tends to be um, what they do is they take one topic and they want to really focus on it, do it well and get it done. Mm -hmm. And they can get really intense, whereas women will balance it a little bit better. But that doesn't mm -hmm. mean women don't do it. It just maybe the majority of women don't. Right. But what if something's calling on a man differently than it's calling on a woman? And there's... Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I wonder about the the message coming from the source towards two different types of genetic structures, you know, yeah. uh, how this interpretation of a man to, and I've talked to Alex Whitcomb. I know you, you've uh, recently done a podcast with Alex and mm -hmm. he's doing a remote viewing class with us. But, um, you know, Alex and I spoke about this too, about uh, how men deal with the supernatural differently. And I can't but help hearken back to, the power of the ring and the Lord of the Rings series where there's this yearning to understand what this ring is and the great power and the ego behind going into where the Iosaurin is. So I, although the power is equally destructive on women, it seems like men time and time again are willing to sacrifice anything mm -hmm. and, and everything and be seduced and yeah. groomed by the supernatural. Do you see what I mean? Yo, absolutely, absolutely. Whereas, like, I, I mean, that that can that happens with careers. I mean, mm -hmm. that happens that happens in general. Over, like, men are more likely to go for the dangerous jobs. Men are more likely to 
um, pursue careers, whereas where women, it's not that women won't pursue careers and do good and are not high achievers, they are, but when they have children or when they get into that motherly stage, they're like, no, this is more important to me. It's, it, that tends to, and I know people are going to say that's sexist. It's not sexist. It's natural. It's, it's healthy for women to want to raise babies, right? And love their children. There's nothing wrong with that. But women tend to try to want to balance it out and mm-hmm. put a lot of their energy into nurturing, you know, mm-hmm. their families and stuff. So it, it's, it's, it's different. It's, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with men. There's nothing wrong with women. It's just <laughs> how it is, right? It's just, I know. I just love the is. fact that we kind of have to, you know, yeah. qualify like, every, every I'm not room. being right. sexist. It's just <laughs> right. how it is. I do right. the same thing. Like I don't go on investigations. My son comes first and what he needs when he's mm-hmm. around. It's just, it's important. <laughs> right. Right. Now I think a guy might l- take more risk uh, with the family. I I'm speaking honestly here. I'm, I'm certainly a guy that has taken more risk um, leaving behind family members to investigate into a mystery of the supernatural and i've i've seen other guys do it way more hardcore than me and it's mm-hmm. interesting about the psychic backlash or the supernatural backlash it seems like it's just way more severe when a, when a guy does it yeah and 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 it's relative so if you're leaving your family and mm-hmm. you're taking off and you're hyper focusing and neglecting your family and you're hyper focusing on the paranormal well don't be surprised if your family starts falling apart you start having troubles at home that could be part of the psychic backlash but it's also cause and effect mhm mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i can see why you say that this is also uh, quality of men when they're invested in working too much or guys that are super invested into a sports team or hunting. Mm-hmm. But there's something unique about the fact of what you said with Nietzsche, the NFL isn't looking back at you. They have no contact no. with you. They don't know that you, exactly. you know, paint, paint your face. Something here is intently studying you and it yeah. uh, wants to communicate with you. Well, and like, I'm not saying everything's demons and whether demons exist or not, but if you've got some type of, like, you don't know what you're going for. Like I am, had someone on my podcast who had actually in Washington state, he had a, what he would call a poltergeist. And he thought it was a kid at first in the house, but it actually wasn't. It was just pretending to be a kid. So you don't know what you're going at. It could be pretending to be one thing and then switch. It's something negative. And if you've got some kind of demonic you know, or you've got some sort of spirit or something's happening in the house. Sometimes they'll take on whatever you're, you're reflecting. They'll, they'll copy your psyche and they'll just reflect it back at you. And you could be horrified, but it could be saying something about you and about your life. And sometimes they take on as well, like my ex podcast partner, he had experiences where he would see whatever it was in the building shift. And so he felt that, you know, the spirit was taking on like a druid because he was in by a stone circle and he thought oh well that's really obvious it's almost reading my mind I'm expecting to see a druid around here so once he thought that in his mind it started to shift into something else so it was almost reflecting like what it thought he wanted it to be or just trying to read his mind and appear as what was the most obvious in the human collective consciousness so it's just, it's 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 not this evil thing stand there on its own it's interacting with you mm-hmm. so you're part of it and so you're part of the, the psychic backlash so it, it can't mm-hmm. it's not 
like you're, you are both in bubbles and you never, you're not interacting. You're actually interacting with it. And it's right. Yeah. And the interesting part is, is that folks listening to this podcast, you may feel the urge to do this yourself. You may say, I see qualities of what Melissa and Tober talking about in myself. The curious part to really look at is you're not making, um, most of these people are not making a dime from this. Um, it's not rewarding to the whole of the family. It's merely self-involvement. And it's, it's really curious to me because, um, you know, you, so many people are trying to make a dime at this and it's nearly impossible to do, but yet people don't stop doing it. So that describes how deep the addiction is. In fact, it's quite costly to do this, um, <laughs> you know, more and more it's, it's getting to be lesser. So, but in the, in the beginning it certainly was, but as far as things that you steered away from, I've uh, interviewed and spoken to friends of mine that have felt as though there was something they cannot do. They felt as though I want to try this new, uh, you know, let's say Reiki or remote viewing or something of that nature. And they feel uh, supernaturally propelled away from that. Have you found that in your own life that there's something that you want to get into that you weren't allowed to do? <clears throat> as in not allowed to do because it's just, does well, because you you had a message or you had a dream oh. or you felt sick, um, something that pushed you away from it, some some kind um, of magical discipline, we'll say. Well, I don't know about that, but I've certainly, um, hmm, I'm certainly more inclined to steer away from something that feels like a cult. Mm -hmm. or a group where it's it, it, there's rules where you have to think a certain way and I certainly take my time getting involved with groups because I've done lots of research on cults but I mean I've had I've had um <laughs> and speaking of that I've done um a podcast on a certain particular cult leader that we didn't name operating online and apparently they were putting a curse on me <laughs> <laughs> whether or not it worked I don't know <laughs> but he was calling out his minions to put a curse on me but he didn't really name me and it was it was really bizarre but um I, I don't I just you know what mm -hmm. uh, I tend to like to stick to my own faculties and my own mm -hmm. um mind and be really super independent and mm -hmm. take and take time getting involved in things because usually I come from it at a psychological point of view where there's a lot of people, especially on the internet, who have may have personality disorders, and it's been my experience. I've been in a relationship with someone who had borderline personality disorder. Is that if you get involved too fast and it's too like and and it's like really quickly, and they want to have you on their fast, that's like a red flag. Mm -hmm. for, have you, you know. have you ever been invited into a secret school of some sort by an individual and declined? Um. No, not that I remember. Yeah, I, I, I get I get invitations from the Illuminati all the time. <laughs> That's a joke. That's actually not a joke. I do, but it's it's just a scam. <laughs> well, now wait a second. I'm slightly offended. I don't get the same invitations, but yeah. I can they, I can they, live without them. Now yeah. you're being serious. 
No, I'm, I'm actually not being, I'm actually being serious that I get invitations to Illuminati, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just some crazy person setting up a scam. Oh, <laughs> you gotcha. Get all okay. the, you get, you get all this stuff in messenger, like join okay. the Illuminati and we'll teach you how to make lots of money. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, sure you, I'm sure you will. What kind where mm-hmm. are you again? <laughs> now I've spoken to people that say that they've actually been invited by secret societies and they claim that it starts off with a very simple letter in the mail. And then mm-hmm. if you read this book or you read this blah, 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 and then send back an agreement of some source, uh, some sort, they will get in touch with you, but you've never been approached no. in that way. No. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't respond to it. If, mm-hmm. if I had that in my mail, I wouldn't respond to it because that's, um, Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not comfortable with secret with a secret anything, mm-hmm. where even though my podcast secret door, but mm-hmm. I, you you won't be getting a letter in the mail from me. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not comfortable with people sending out letters mm-hmm. to invite you into societies where you have a strict rigid rules, and if you don't follow them, you're shunned kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not comfortable with that because that's the starting of a cult. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's it's. To me, it's like no, everything should be on the table and transparent. Mm-hmm. And if you're good, if you're too secret, and there has to be all these rules, and I have to pass all these tests, and mm-hmm. you know what? It's that doesn't work for me. Right. Well, with a name like Secret Door, tell people what you mean by naming your podcast that. Well, it's. I didn't want to have a podcast that was like, oh, we're just doing ghosts or we're just doing something. And I'm like, well, what are we doing? I'm like, well, we're kind of opening doors up to information that people don't normally talk about. They keep keep secret. So secret door podcast sounds good. Perfect. <laughs> I, but I didn't want to pigeonhole it into we mm-hmm. only talk about mm-hmm. ghosts or we only right. talk about, because I mean, technically we want to do a lot of alternative spirituality mm-hmm. sort of techniques and helping people. Like I know that's Linnea's big thing is she likes to help people um, ground and release stuff and, and get mm-hmm. more to know themselves. So we're mixing the paranormal in with this idea of um, mm-hmm. just living a better life and um, a lot of psychology as well. Mm-hmm. Is there a door you won't open? I, you know, I don't like, to, I leave that up to guests that come on. I don't like to get too super, personal beyond mm-hmm. someone's I won't ever push someone somewhere where they're comfortable and I also won't outright even if I think somebody I know the answer I would never call somebody a liar and be overly confrontational and make someone feel uncomfortable on my podcast right because in my opinion some people may say you're a fraud you're a charlatan you, you psychic stuff doesn't exist but in my opinion it's not my job to tell somebody that didn't happen to them right they they believe it really happened to them so mm-hmm. it's my job to have a discussion about what they believe happened and maybe mm-hmm. help them ground or let go of it or whatever it is and what about doors that you may not open because of the psychic backlash involved with it is there a door that you won't open in that way well i did open the door to cults um and apparently i got um curses put on me so it's that's one that i'm i'd have to um see how I feel about talking about different cults Mm -hmm. um it's I do like to expose cults like on my older podcast we talked about John of God who's a tarot like who if anyone hasn't read about him he's actually now being sentenced to prison and he was endorsed by Oprah back in the day as his healer and he was actually running a a human farm where he was getting all the young girls locally Mm. coming to his compound and and you know 
impregnating and entrapping mm. them and selling the babies on the black market and highly abusing everyone and mm. possible murder, et cetera, et cetera. So I do like to talk and expose things like that mm. because I think you don't need a big compound to be in a cult. You just need two or three people. So I, I mm -hmm. like, I'm trying to tell people, you know, be self regulating. Mm -hmm. Don't just run into things because I think a lot of people are lonely mm -hmm. and they don't know where to go and they don't, and they may have come from abusive background and they're easy to manipulate. Right. Cults. So I, I, but I'm leery on the, what door to open on that because the psychic backlash could be, you get a really big group mm -hmm. making hell for your life. And they're so litigious too. Mm -hmm. uh, the Church of Scientology being oh, yeah. uh, a huge one. If you talk about them publicly, you get a cease and desist letter. I've seen that in a couple podcasts. Yeah, it's yeah. why I won't. It's why I won't watch a Tom. Everyone likes Tom Cruise. I'm like, dude, he's a Church of Scientology. I won't watch his movies. If if you give up talking to your children for the Church mm -hmm. of Scientology, you're you're a scumbag in my book. So. <laughs> I just won't I won't do a Tom Cruise movie I know people may love him but I'm like yeah I know that's just that's not cool no I, I battle I battle with the Tom Cruise disorder and I yeah. hate myself for it <laughs> I know he's a great actor yeah. but he probably he, he probably would never give up Church of Scientology they probably have too much dirt on him is that the way you think it works well they do they get you to go into all these auditory stuff and you have to tell them all your stuff to get to the next levels and mm -hmm. like a clearing cleansing stuff. So it, Tom's mm -hmm. been there for a long time. They've got a lot of dirt on him. He probably believes this stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. he doesn't even talk to his own daughter because she's not in the church. So they tell you they're a defector. Don't, you don't talk to people who aren't in the church. You ignore them. So to me, anybody who would mm -hmm. do that to their own flesh and blood, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I have no doubt that one of the reasons he's so successful is because he's a Scientologist <laughs> and he's a really intense guy that I don't mm. know his, his energy bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's these secret handshakes that go on in Hollywood where they all belong to yeah. the same crazy, you know, sex parties or whatever they're mm. doing. I mean, there's, I mean, you've already spoken about it with John of God. Um, there's oh, the other yeah. guy that would brand his women right on the hip and put that yeah. uh, crazy mark on their hip and kind of say, this is my cattle and these are my sex slaves. Uh, it seems to end that direction with guys that are cult leaders. Have you found that with women as well? Are they primarily oh, yeah. interested in sex and power? Oh, women can be cult leaders just as much as men. There's, mm -hmm. uh, there's lots, there's lots of cult-like uh, women who channel spirits and have a following. It, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, I can't name one. I mean, Oprah Winfrey would probably be a good example. Most of us wouldn't think of her as a cult leader, but she kind of had a little bit of a kind of cult. Although you could leave, you weren't held to Oprah Winfrey. She, she, what she, you know, she could say something and people would do it and. The problem with her is like she's recommend she was telling people to go to John of God. So she was mm -hmm. kind of inadvertent and she's involved at the Weinstein. I'm not even going to get into Harvey Weinstein. But she's <laughs> actually like this gateway for leading people into bad circumstances. Now, in saying that, you can't be a cult leader without having people who are willing to follow Mm -hmm. cult leaders so it's mm -hmm. it's on both ends there's a psychology about the people who will follow that mm -hmm. that is like that the individual who has that psychology they have to deal with that otherwise they'll just go from cult mm -hmm. to cult to cult to cult i mean linnea linnea my co-host i mean she grew up with religious cult stuff that her mother was in and 
They're just, there's a certain psychology. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. It's, 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 it's a psychology where they need this absolute leader to mm-hmm. idolize, to make them feel that they're super special and involved in some super special spirituality. And mm-hmm. so the cult leader is nothing without people like that. And they're already like that before they, they meet the cult leader. Right. And I mean, it gets into dangerous ground, especially if you're doing a podcast where you have certain religions that are not Scientology, not John of God, not Jay-Z Knight, but they are billion dollar industries Mm -hmm. (laughs) that have, have lasted for eons and they're part of your listening audience. Have you steered away or corrected your speech in fear of I haven't losing? Yet. No, I haven't yet. I'm not mm-hmm. really worried about. I figure, uh, you know what, we're going to be ourselves, and we say what we say, and the people who are listening, they'll stay, and the ones who don't want to, we probably don't want them around anyway, so they can go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't worry about it too much. Although, I mean, if it, if I felt it was too dangerous to talk about, I probably just would be like, okay, let's not talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let's steer because right. like, I do believe I do believe in law of attraction in in the sense not that oh if I think about a car it's going to show up in the sense that your emotions and your thoughts do eventually manifest your life so um, mm-hmm. if I'm hyper that's that comes back into psychic backlash if I'm hyper focused on something that's really negative well mm-hmm. it's going to show up and in different ways that I might not even be expecting. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, it's it's up into a, a sort of interpretation, and we're having a loose conversation regarding psychic backlash or paranormal backlash. Um, do you mean paranormal backlash as well, or do you are you encompassing thoughts becoming things? That um, I'm trying to understand your interpretation of the backlash well, as it pertains to the word psychic being attached to it. A psychic. That term was something that was coined by John Downs from the Center for Fortean Zoology, I believe. He coined that when he, he, that's just the name he called it, when he was on paranormal investigations or investigating some sort of cryptid, that he would notice that things would start going wrong in his life, where a cat, cat, cats, you know, he'd have two or three cats that have to be put down, financial ruin, a whole bunch of stuff would start happening when he got hyper-focused on a specific topic. He, and it was always paranormal or cryptid in nature, his topics, and he just coined it psychic backlash because it's Mm -hmm. there's there's some psychological thing that's happening there when Mm -hmm. and i think he's referring exact to the whole thing intense focus on an object or study agitates the object and then the object reflects stuff back at you it starts throwing things back at you and so that's where i got that term from so it Mm -hmm. it, and it it could encompass and and he's using it basically for the paranormal and cryptozoology Mm -hmm. but i think I think it operates on a whole bunch of different levels and it, it probably comes from law of attraction and what mm-hmm. you focus and the fact that you're interacting with, you don't even know what. Right. And do you think that just living in a spot where the activity as a, is abnormally high can have the same kind of backlash effect, even if the person isn't focusing on it, just merely having a house in the spot? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it can be inadvertently because it's it's going to be very hard if you're living in a house to ignore for very long, unless you're some kind of Buddhist Zen master. It's going to be very hard to ignore paranormal 
activities or poltergeist activities and especially if you've never experienced it before and mm-hmm. you have no concept of what it is mm-hmm. you're going you're, it's going to trigger your emotions see a lot of these things at the base when they happen trigger people's emotions so it depends like i said on your psychological base on your mental health and maybe even on your diet it could get into that mm-hmm. uh, but it is eventually going to start playing on your mind and your emotions and you're going to start interacting with it and i, I people say, well, you could control it. I'd say, you know what? It's probably just easier to move <laughs> because <laughs> right. unless you're kind of some kind of Zen master, which most of us aren't, I'm not, eventually I'm going to start responding to something that's creating chaos. If I leave and come home and everything's a mess every day or my cabinets mm-hmm. open and things are thrown around, I'm going to, going to start getting frustrated and tired and exhausted and it could mm-hmm. drain, drain your energy. So I'm going to start lashing out and responding and it's going to create more of what's going on. And I mean, who knows? It could just want it to more attention. Mm-hmm. Your focus on it could actually feed it and make it more real for all I know. Right. And we're not just talking about ghosts either. We're talking about people that live in UFO hotspots, people that live yeah. in time dis- distortion spots where portals are, where Sasquatches, where cryptids are. All of those, do you think those have consequences to living in areas, negative consequences? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Especially if you're like some UFO hotspot and there's some a lot of electromagnetic energy or you know like you would have to investigate the environment and see like do you have like high emf like that can affect your uh, what's the acoustics like like that can affect your uh, ability to Mm -hmm. like anything in your environment like are there power lines over where you are like everything will affect you so Mm -hmm. if you've got some hot spot where people are constantly experiencing stuff i i would be surprised if it's um not highly charged with certain energies and frequencies that are going to affect you, even if you weren't seeing a mm-hmm. UFO landing. The so, things you could, things you could test and measure. You could, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, I know there are I, things you can eliminate. Right. When I, when we were in uh, Sedona a couple of years ago, uh, going on a UFO hunt, one of the things that we were shocked to experience physically, be, besides, you know, sun was <laughs> electricity and static electricity coming off of our hands. And nobody told us about that. Um, and that definitely was some backlash because you were constantly zapping one another. And I think it just had to do with all the quartz in the sand and yeah. and, uh, and shifting your feet around. But um, yeah, I may play a part in why there's so much activity in Sedona. But like if you have an area like Hope, BC, where people are seeing Sasquatch, um, there's two things I suppose that could happen or maybe more, but there's the um, stories that get told that actually create, you know, fear. Mm-hmm. And then there's actually the real experiences that, you know, creates that you interact with. So there's two things going on there. There's the real experiences that people are, you know, reporting to have. And then there's the stories and the legends and the rumors that get perpetuated about it. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to separate which one's affecting you. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've been into supposed haunted locations and experienced absolutely nothing, but you know, there's all these stories going around where you think you would have, like if you focused on it enough and you were investigating it six, seven, eight times a year, something would happen, but you know, nothing mm-hmm. ever happened. But I think it definitely has something to do with your psyche and your mind and your emotions and where you're putting it Mm -hmm. and what you're doing and what you're feeling. 
and mm-hmm. and interacting. If you cut that off and you're a- somehow able to investigate something and be more mm. balanced and not be as hyper focused, I don't think the backlash is going to be as severe. Mm-hmm. Uh, near where you are, what's the strangest place near you, and do you frequent it? Um, the closest place that I've been to, there's a couple places. I, I live in Comox Valley. So there's a haunted manor house and I've actually, the lady who owns it, she's been trying to sell it, but it's, it's a old, like a hundred year old manor house that's in the, um, business area. So nobody seems to want to buy it, but that's supposedly haunted. It's actually been on the news and I, actually asked her about it and she said yeah well she hadn't seen it for a while but she reported like glasses and cups now I haven't actually been in there so I can't I never had any experience I haven't actually been in her house and had that experience but I was at her studio on the grounds and I was asking her about it so there's that there's a few places in Cumberland that seem to be fairly haunted like the old Mm -hmm. um I oh is it the Waverly Mm -hmm. Hotel Mm -hmm. I'm bad with names and I would say there's probably a lot of Sasquatch sightings around there too just because Mm -hmm. of being surrounded by the woods um I haven't had any massive paranormal experiences in in my town all my paranormal experiences have been on the east coast or having to do with someone recently Mm -hmm. passing away and showing Mm -hmm. back up after and and leaving that has been here. So it hasn't been tied to a location. It was tied to a person passing away. Mm-hmm. But I, all the locations that are said to be haunted, I've never had any experiences at them personally when I've gone it, there. Right. If uh, money and time weren't an issue and daycare or childcare, um, <laughs> where would you go? What would be the, the place I, that you would love to see? I, well, I would go to the United Kingdom, probably stay mm-hmm. in, in, in a place that I, I don't have a place off the top of my head, but I'd probably choose some place that like some sort of old pub that was really had a lot of activity and just stay in mm-hmm. there for a long time without anybody there. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was in Canada, I'd, it, on the island, I'd probably head down to Victoria because that tends to be a hot spot. Mm-hmm. or like most of the stories are coming out of Victoria and they have a really intense, if mm-hmm. I was going to go to a used bookstore, I'd go to Victoria because you can find a lot of used occult old books there more likely than mm-hmm. anywhere else. Cause they send, tend to be more accepting of ghosts and the paranormal mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And do you, do you find they're more accepting overseas than they are in the, in the West? Um, I don't know about all of Europe, but United Kingdom tends to have a more, um, I, I guess open approach to discussing stuff. Like if I talk about ghosts or paranormal here, people are like, yeah, whatever. That's just silly. <laughs> like I, I would never bring it up at work. I would never bring it up just generally. I would only bring it up to people I know are going to be receptive to the conversation because there's really no point in bringing it up because most people just cut, like look at you like you've got worms crawling out of your head. <laughs> And, and I've they, taught, yeah. they can't they can't tell at work melissa that you're into it uh, there's probably a couple of people who know mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in general no they can't I, it's not really quite obvious i don't walk around with um mm-hmm. goth, goth makeup on or you know a, mm-hmm. 
a logo t-shirt on my you're not walking yeah you're not walking into the break room with an emf (laughs) meter yeah i'm I'm not dressed up like (laughs) ghostbusters or anything like that Mm -hmm. no no so i i don't i don't talk about Mm -hmm. when i go to work when i when i go to work it's i'm Mm -hmm. at work i'm professional Mm -hmm. and this stuff stays here so that's probably actually why a good a good a good thing Mm -hmm. to do (laughs) <laughs> right, right. It reminds me a little bit of the high school days yet again, where, you know, uh, school is school and work is work. But it's, mm-hmm. do you ever feel like uh, you just want to break out the EMF meter, so to speak, or turn up the podcast that you're listening to while you're on the break and or hear a conversation in, in the hallway? And, um, you know, I, I find myself doing that mm-hmm. once in a while where I just... I want to immerse myself in it, in it, even when I'm at work. There's no, I don't want to immerse myself in it at work. I just don't want mm-hmm. to go. I just don't want to go to work. And I want to stay focusing <laughs> right. and talking to people from my office at home. Right, right. I just, I'm like, nah, I just uh, don't want to go to work. Cause there's, it's a big, and there's so many people, there's so uh, much energy going on. There's so much movement and uh-huh. it's hard to focus anyway. So I, I usually right. just, Oh, do I even have to go there? I'm so busy doing this. I just don't want to stop designing this or working on this podcast or mm-hmm. researching for this topic. And right. I mean, the other thing about my, my my podcast, not focusing on one topic, I find it's easier that I jump around so I could do something on a witch one day, um, healing mm-hmm. the other day. I find it's actually good to jump around to topics like that so I don't get too hyper-focused. So if I did everything on Satanism that that might mm-hmm. actually create some kind of crazy yeah i'd be a little leery of that all right now have yeah. you ever had a guest get a hold of you after production and ask you to scrub their interview yes i have mm-hmm. and how did you deal with that um well what they what it, they what was really weird is i it was on fair modern fairy sightings and they sent the list of questions. I told them they were leery about coming on information. I said, well, you write up the questions that you're comfortable with and I'll ask you that. I have no, pro- I have actually no problem with that. And so I asked them all their questions and they came back and they wanted to listen to it before I put it out and have editorial rights on it. And I was like, well, what? I said, well, what, what was it that you said that you're uncomfortable with? So I tried to bleep it out and I put it out and they didn't like it. They wanted me to edit this. They had all this way. They wanted to control how it was edited because they didn't like the information, the question and that the answer I said, but you gave me the question. I didn't, you know, so it just, they, they wanted hyper control because mm-hmm. they were really they in there. They were really uncomfortable with, the fact that they had revealed their own, like they wrote about it, but they never really talked about their own modern fairy sightings and they got really uncomfortable with it after it was out and they didn't want it to be out there. So I just said, you know what? I said, I don't Mm. let people edit my show and Mm. I find this is really inappropriate. So I'm just going to, I'm taking it down. Right. That's the easiest thing to do. You're uncomfortable with. I don't Mm. really like your behavior trying to edit my show and hyper control Mm. everything. So I'm just taking it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just took it down um, and, and they were like, okay. Well, I'll be bummed um, if you ask me it. to take this one down. So No, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, no. I wouldn't ask a, you to take it down. <laughs> it's very rare. With, and, you know, in my case, it's, it's uh, only happened on one occasion. And it was over kind of a similar circumstance that you just described where it seemed like they had to control the narrative so tight, so close. That it's just like, it's easier for everybody right now if the, 
if we just didn't talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's just yeah. take it down. Right. It's like, because I always say to people, you're, it's being recorded. Everything you say could possibly mm-hmm. go on to the podcast. So only say things you want. And I actually gave them pre-podcast control by saying what could be asked. Right. And I had no problem with that as long as they were comfortable. But I, I won't have someone harass me and try to edit the entire podcast. Mm-hmm. And this is podcast backlash. I didn't yeah. expect to be. Yeah, podcast backlash. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I'm, pretty, I'm like, go make your own podcast then. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, um, what do you have coming up as far as Melissa's concerned? It's a new year, 2020, I'm sure. You have your sights on the, growing the show or uh, do you have anything that you're working on privately that you want to talk about and maybe break a little news here? Or what's going um, on in Melissa's world? We're, we're going to be doing a Facebook Live event mm-hmm. on January 31st, the Q&A with our show. I'm On the 24th of January, I'm going to be on What the Frick podcast as mm-hmm. a guest. I'm working on a lot, a show about, I don't know, you may not know him, but he was a a professor, a witch, and a Wiccan exorcist sort of priest from, he lived in Victoria, he was from England, his name Mm. was Robin Robin Skelton, he's passed away, but he's written a lot of really interesting books on spellcraft and his Mm. experiences of exercising ghosts, so I'm trying to I'm researching and doing a show where me and Linnea are going to talk about the power of words and spellcraft and mm-hmm. how that's powerful in rituals and getting what you want mm-hmm. and I've have got a few guests lined up for February um but I still have yet to plan I'm a lot of people will plan months in ahead and that just doesn't work for me I have to go with what happens and what comes and you know, usually I'm maybe a few weeks ahead, but I'm never months ahead in booking because my schedule's too all over the place to guarantee that. <laughs> so, so, but I am going for that. And we have somebody from customs. He's involved in customs who wants to come on and talk about conspiracy theories with uh, the U.S. customs. I'm like, hmm, I'm a little, mm. I'm, the secret door was kind of like, okay, I have to go look at your information a little bit more. I don't want to, I don't want like some kind of U.S. customs <laughs> police showing up at my door like, hey, right, revealed classified information. But I, I have to decide whether it's this person is legit or not before I get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Customs backlash you don't need in your life. Yeah, no, no. I, I'm like, <laughs> do I really want to talk about customs? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And how interesting. I guess they probably see some pretty weird stuff yeah. uh, come and go. But um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you again, uh, Melissa Martell. The podcast is Secret Door. And they can catch that weekly. Is that right? Yeah, we usually do a, a show uh, released idealistically on Friday. Sometimes it's Saturday morning, depending how busy I get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been doing little, trying to do little new shows that I release throughout the week, but depending on my schedule as well, that are shorter, shorter little 10, 15 minute YouTube clips. Right. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And the, the website is secretdoor.com or secretdoorpodcast.com? Secretdoorpodcast.com and everything's there. Perfect. Melissa, thanks for talking to me and uh, go back to bed or get a cup of coffee and stay up with me and uh, we'll talk again. Thank you for having me on. I will be going to get ready for work now. Okay. All right. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. Take care. All right. The podcast again is the Secret Door Podcast with Melissa Martell and company. Check it out. 
all right, the 7th of March, you've been given the date. That's the next podcast live. And wear the merch, buy the merch, win a woodwatcher. And I will get that up on the website at strangebrowradio.com so you can see what a woodwatcher actually is. Uh, like I said, I usually sell out of them. They retail for about 200 bucks. Um, I spend a lot of time on uh, honing in just the right face on a slab of cedar or dug fur honed from the Almoon Altar or Harstein Island here in the Olympic Peninsula. So you want to check that out. You can find those also attached to uh, my name. And if you go on Facebook, you can find my Facebook page, Woodwatcher, associated with that. And I have a few up there that you can take a look at as well. And as always, if you have a strange encounter with the supernatural, a cryptid, anything outside the ordinary, I'd love to talk to you myself. And the best way to do that, even anonymously, is strangebowradio at gmail.com. No story too weird. Well, I guess I should be careful what I wish for with that one. All right, thanks again for listening. And as always, I will see you in the trees. <laughs>